This is Victoria. I am otherwise engaged or possibly just ignoring your call. Leave a message. Victoria, I've rented a car. I'll drive it the rest of the way to Arkham and to Michael. But first, I need to make a slight detour. I've been thinking about what happened on the train. When the conductor, that thing, attacked me, I felt sure in that moment it intended to kill me or do me serious harm. But now I'm not so sure. I was thinking about what it said to me when it had me in its grip. It said Haster, which I'm sure you'll remember is the being these brothers of the yellow sign seem to worship. It said that Haster had claimed me. I'm not entirely sure what that means, but it sounds to me like they don't want me dead. Not right away, at least. But I'm not willing to passively participate in whatever scheme they've concocted in relation to me. So here's what I've decided to do. I'm operating under the assumption that that conductor, monster, perished having thrown himself off a moving train. Or if not, he's got to be badly injured. (laughs) Or not. Whatever the case, I still probably have several hours head start on him. So, I figured out where that Stoker Island is. Spoiler alert, it's a ferry ride away on Lake Michigan. And I'm headed there now. I've got the conductor's medallion, and according to the instructions I found in his locker, it will get me through the door of the Brothers of the Yellow Signs Lodge there. And with it, I'll be able to borrow that book that seems so important to them. It must hold powerful secrets. And who knows what else I'll discover while I'm at it. No, do not try to talk me out of it. Of course I know it's dangerous. Don't you think I know that? But at some point, I've got to start taking the fight to them. And this will be that start. How else will I protect Michael? Letters from Arkham, written and performed by S. Lee Benedict. The voice of Victoria is McKenna Beeger. asking around on the ferry about Stoker Island. Apparently it's just a small but old fishing community. That's really all anyone can tell me. I could never figure out how to broach the subject of where I might find the lodge of the Brothers of the Yellow Sign. How do you slip that into casual conversation? Excuse me, do you know where I can find the local cultist headquarters? You know, people who like to wear yellow and sacrifice teenagers? Most of the people I've talked to are headed to other stops on the ferry's route. Anyway, I wasn't getting anywhere with the passengers, so I changed tactics and started talking to the crew instead. And it occurred to me that since the cultist lodge in Calamity Falls was a church, maybe the one on Stoker Island was as well. I started asking if there were any historical churches on the island I could visit, made up some story about me being a photojournalist doing a piece on historical buildings or some facetious nonsense like that. No one knew anything about any churches though, but when I asked a grizzled deckhand, he mentioned an old 19th century building that used to be a Masonic temple or something, out by the island's lighthouse. I mean, that's gotta be it, right? 
so that's my target. But what do I do once I get there? Guess I should think about that. It's been a while since I've received any new letters from Michael, even when considering the conductor destroyed the last one. While the mysterious nature of the letters themselves is rather worrisome, I find that not getting them at all is causing me even more anxiety. Suppose it means something has happened to Michael? Or maybe he's just been delayed. You know, like Gandalf? Never mind. Anyway, if that's the case, am I doing the wrong thing here? I mean, I know I'm most likely doing the stupid thing, but is going on this side quest and thereby delaying my arrival in Arkham putting Michael in greater danger? What if I'm too late to help him? I suppose these are things I should have considered before I boarded this ferry. Uh, too late now, I guess. I found it, Victoria. The former Masonic temple next to the lighthouse. It's just now getting to be dusk and I'm sitting in my rental car looking at it right now, trying to screw my courage to the sticking place. So far I haven't seen anyone anywhere near the place. It looks deserted, as far as I can tell. There is a single light above the doorway which is burning, but otherwise the place is dead. The only identifying signage are the raised letters affixed to the side of the one-story structure identifying it as Stoker Hall, and it still has the Mason Square and Compass symbol underneath it. If this place is no longer a Masonic temple and now serves as a lodge for the Brothers of the Yellow Sign, I see no indications of such. Doesn't mean it isn't, though. As for the island itself, it does look to be some kind of fishing community, a little past its prime, maybe. Might have been thriving back in the day, but no longer. I saw a few denizens on the drive over here, and I noticed them noticing me as well. Salty types by the look of them, as in true seafarers with the fashion sense to match. Knit sweaters, Greek caps, and bushy beards to boot. Felt more like i just arrived on the coast of Maine than an hour from downtown Chicago. Oh, I forgot to mention, the ferry out of here won't be back until 7am, so I'm stuck here all night. I hope that doesn't end up a critical error on my part. One good thing about that though is that if that conductor isn't already here, that is if he's in any condition to make it here at all, he's not getting here tonight. So I guess I can relax about that aspect of this little caper of mine. Anyway, it's now or never, I suppose. I'll check back later. Wish me luck, I guess. Well, Victoria, mission accomplished. More or less. After leaving the lodge, I was able to find a room at a little inn in the middle of the village. It's one of those half-dozen rooms over a pub type of deals. The proprietor was highly suspicious, no doubt on account of the fact that probably the last time they had any guests was during the Reagan administration. Trust me, I was shocked there was an inn to begin with. I suppose it's for visiting fishermen? I don't know. The room is a dump, but I doubt I'll be sleeping anyway. Just a place to lay low until I can catch the ferry out of here. You're probably wondering if I got what I came for. I did. I got the book. But let me start at the beginning. Since my ticket through the door of the lodge was the medallion I took from the conductor, I figured I needed to be, you know, wearing it. A prospect that gave me a certain amount of pause considering when I first touched the thing it made my back light up like a signal fire which I now know is that hidden symbol or brand on my back seemingly reacting to these otherworldly elements I'm being exposed to. I took a deep breath and draped the chain over my neck and sure enough, pain instantly surged through my back. I gritted my teeth and found I could just bear the discomfort of it, maybe because the flame-encircled eye wasn't in direct contact with my flesh? <sighs> Who knows? I knocked on the door just as the sun was beginning to set. 
The reflection of the light off the water would have been lovely if my nerves hadn't been so on edge. As if in answer to my knock, the lamp at the top of the lighthouse switched on and began to rotate with a loud, screeching, grinding noise. I nearly had a heart attack, thinking the fiery eye of Sauron, or in this case, Haster, had found me out. I stood there for what seemed like an eternity, wondering if I should abandon the plan. I was about to knock a second time when the door swung open with a loud creak. A man stood before me who looked nothing like a cultist, meaning he didn't have any yellow robe on. Just a balding man wearing glasses, a button-down shirt, and slacks. In fact, nothing he wore was yellow at all. I was beginning to think I'd made some kind of mistake and that this was not the cultist lodge I was looking for. I opened my mouth to apologize when the man spoke first. You must be Brother Jasper, he said, eyeing the medallion hanging against my chest. I decided keeping it simple was the best course of action. Say as little as possible and hope my host didn't start quizzing me about life in the cult. Hopefully I could get in, get what I came for, and hightail it out of there as quickly as possible. I told the man I'd come for the book and left it at that. The man nodded, looked me up and down, beckoned me inside. I entered and found myself in a vestibule, and as far as I could tell, the decor did nothing to make me think the place was anything other than a Masonic temple, not that I'd ever been in such a place before. But the symbols I noted around the room were the typical Masonic fare, no sign of any emblem similar to the one I wore. My host led me down a hallway and into a kind of lounge with bookshelves lining the walls. I thought this was where he'd procure for me the book I'd come to retrieve, but instead he activated some kind of hidden switch somewhere that resulted in one of the shelves swinging outward to reveal a stairway leading down into darkness, to what I knew must be a subterranean lair, like the one in Calamity Falls. I had no choice but to follow the man down into those unknown depths. He led me through torch-lined passages constructed from quarried stone. I wondered if these mysterious hallways had been there since the Masons had controlled this place, or if they had somehow been added later. Whichever the case, I soon realized that despite it being a secret underground temple, that's where the similarities to the previous lodge ended. We soon reached a large chamber, but instead of a mezzanine overlooking a sacrificial altar, this room contained a circular pool at its center. And on the far wall, I didn't see the yellow sign, but a different symbol altogether. Three wavy lines meant to represent water, I guessed, with something that resembled a rudimentary whale fluke rising up out of it. At least that's what I thought it was suggesting. That's when I realized this lodge wasn't the same as the Brotherhood of the Yellow Sign. A different faction, maybe. Whoever they were, though, they weren't remiss to share knowledge and aid with the cultists from Calamity Falls. But it begged the question, why? The man led me beyond that chamber and into another room that appeared to be some kind of repository for all kinds of things. Artifacts, sculptures, paintings, and books. Lots and lots of books. My eyes were drawn to one statue in particular. A pagan god with a humanoid torso, but a fish-like head, and a tail instead of legs. The stone creature's muscular arms reached out in front of it, terminating not in human hands but massive webbed claws. My host saw me staring at it, and told me it was ancient, created by the first followers of their god, hundreds of years before the followers of, he called it, Dagon. Long before the followers of Dagon formed their esoteric order as it existed today. I was speechless, standing there staring at it, and I felt the brand on my back burn a little more fiercely as a result of my proximity to the thing. I ignored the pain and wondered how much longer I would need to endure all this. As if in answer to my thoughts, the man handed me the thing I'd come for. A small, leather-bound book, 
I opened it and discovered it was actually just someone's journal, an old one by the look of it. I read the neat cursive on the page just inside the cover. It read, Notes on the Necronomicon by Henry Armitage, Miskatonic University. It was dated too, 1929. I had no idea what the Necronomicon was, but I recognized the name of the school. Miskatonic University was located in none other than Arkham, Massachusetts. I'd learned as much during my initial research on Arkham when I found out that Michael had gone there. Coincidence? I don't believe in those anymore. I don't really remember leaving the lodge. Everything was pretty much a blur until I found myself back in my rental car. After I'd collected my wits, I drove back to the village and found this inn. And here I am, sitting in the dark and talking to you counting the hours until I can get back on the ferry and eventually back on the road on my way to find Michael. I haven't looked much at this journal. I've risked a lot to get it and I'm not even sure why. And now I can hardly stand to look at the thing. I shoved it in my bag and it's there still. Of course, I'm curious about what secrets the journal might hold, but I don't know. I just don't know. Haster, Dagon, what do you think these cults have in common? I have a sense they're working together for some unknown purpose, and whatever it is, I'm all mixed up in it now, and I fear so is Michael. (sighs) Victoria, I'm so tired. Maybe I'll try to get some sleep after all. Victoria, I woke with a start just now, my heart racing and my back throbbing dully. I'm just laying here, in the dark, listening. Everything is still. I can hear the water lapping against the island shore somewhere outside and the grinding of the lighthouse lamp in the distance. As it rotates, its light periodically passes over my shuttered window, casting segmented shadows on the wall. It started raining. The sound of rain is always something I found soothing but I don't feel soothed by it now. In fact, I feel a sense of foreboding, of dread. There's something outside. I can see them out the window now. They're just standing there in the light of a street lamp. The rain's falling pretty heavily now, and this person is making no effort to take shelter from the deluge. What time is it? 3 a.m.? What are they doing out there? Some fishermen, I guess, up early to go to work. But why are they just standing there? There's something off about them. I mean, besides the fact they're just standing in the pouring rain, alone, in the wee hours. The person's got some kind of rain slicker on, hood pulled up. But in the light of the street lamp, I can sort of see their face. It looks wrong somehow. Like their facial features are contorted or deformed, drooping. They look almost... (laughs) fish-like. No, it's probably just the way the light is hitting their face. Still, whoever they are, they're giving me the Wiggins. And there they go, walking off down the street. Well, limping off, actually, but... Well, whatever. They're gone now. Strange, though. Hmm, Just a few more hours and I can get out of here. 
I'm wide awake now. Don't think I'll be getting any more sleep tonight. I think I'd been dreaming before, but really it was less like a dream and more like a journey. I feel now as if I'd actually traveled to a completely different world. It was so real and surreal. I could feel everything, hear all the sounds, smell strange scents I'd never smelled before. Sounds crazy, I guess. I was in an ancient city, but not a human one. It had risen up from the sea like Atlantis up from the depths. But this was not Atlantis. I don't think. The geometry of the structures was off, constructed at bizarre angles, tilted. Everything was of a much larger scale than anything that could have practically been built by humans, and every surface was covered with barnacle-like things and algae that glowed with an eerie incandescence. Everything smelled salty and dank. As I walked the streets of this alien world, I felt as if my mind was being invaded by something evil. I couldn't form coherent thoughts as my mind raced with a thousand voices, only some of which were mine. I moved forward, through the surreal cityscape, eventually coming to a massive structure with stone doors the size of a small skyscraper. I stopped when I realized there were three dark forms knelt before the doors. At first, my mind couldn't comprehend what I was seeing, but then something clicked. The first kneeling form was the yellow-cloaked haster, undulating tentacles spreading out from beneath its robes. The second figure was like the creature I'd seen rendered in statue form in that room below the Masonic Temple, Dagon, I presumed, looking very much like part human, part fish, its skin black and scaly. The third kneeling form looked more like a man, though obviously much taller than any man. I couldn't be sure if it was human or not because its body was shrouded in a flowing black cloak that flapped in slow motion as if by some wind I myself could not feel. This third figure was obviously some new elder thing I have yet to be made aware of. The Brothers of the Yellow Sign, the Esoteric Order of Dagon. Is there some third cryptic order I've yet to discover? I can't say I'm looking forward to making their acquaintance whoever they are. Anyway, as I looked from one entity to the next, the stone doors began to rumble. The three creatures shuddered in rapture, and I heard chanting, foul words in some strange language I don't remember now except for something that sounded like Cthulhu. The doors began to open. Everything in me told me to run, but I was glued to the spot, and I felt my sanity slipping from me. My peripheral vision began to deteriorate, and soon all I could see was the dark interior of what I then knew was a temple. The doors now flung wide. I saw two glowing red eyes staring at me from within. My entire body seized up, and my mind... My mind left me completely then, and I think... I think I died. I know it sounds crazy, but I swear that's what happened. In my dream... That's what happened in my dream. It was just a dream. Anyway, I woke up, and that's when I called you. Well, I guess that's enough rambling for now. With any luck, next time I call, I'll be well on my way to Arkham. 
Bye for now. And if you get this, I'd really love it if you'd call me back. All this time spent focusing on Michael. I have no idea how you're doing. Anyway. Yeah. Hi, Victoria. It may shock you to know I got off Stoker Island without any trouble. Well, I'm shocked anyway. In fact, I've been thinking about how it was all a little too easy. Like, maybe these cultists let me do it. Wanted me to, even. But why? Doesn't make much sense, does it? I've just left Gary, Indiana. Not Louisiana, Paris, France, New York, or Rome. Sorry. Stupid joke. I thought I might amuse you and remind you of all those lazy Sunday afternoons watching old musicals on TV. Better days. Anyway, I'll skirt the border between Indiana and Michigan until I'm into Ohio. Maybe I can make it to Cleveland before I stop again and with a minimum of cultist sightings. Uh, it might interest you to know I've received another letter from Arkham. Well, sort of. Kinda. I was flipping through Henry Armitage's notes on the Necronomicon. Not really reading it, I guess I'm a bit afraid to do that just yet, but seeing what's in it. Lots of handwritten text and hand-drawn pictures and diagrams. I am curious, just not ready to face it yet, I guess. Anyway, stuck in the pages was a letter, written by Armitage to a Professor Francis Morgan. I guess Armitage never sent the letter since it seems to have still been in his possession. And though I'm hesitant to peruse the contents of Armitage's book, I did read the letter, and I found it may shed some light on a few things. Listen to this. My dear Morgan, after our dealings last year with the Watley family in Dunwich, I took it upon myself to make a more stringent study of the contents of the Necronomicon, given young Wilbur's fatal interest in the thing as well as the events that followed. I needed to know if the world was at a greater risk from similar beings as the one who sired Wilbur and his twin. I am afraid the situation is more dire than I would have imagined. So far, I have seen mentioned in the book's pages the names of many eldritch entities, an entire pantheon it would seem, whose encroachment onto our plane of existence would mean ruin for all mankind. My research has uncovered at least three separate cults who may seek to manifest some of these beings, whose names I will not write here, but the three cults I have identified go by these designations. The Brothers of the Yellow Sign, the Esoteric Order of Dagon, and the Brotherhood of the Black Pharaoh. As our resident archaeologist, I thought you might find this of particular interest and you may want to do your own research. As to my detailed findings, we may discuss those at length upon your return to Miskatonic in the fall. Until then, be well, my friend. Sincerely, Henry Armitage, Head Librarian, Miskatonic University. <sighs> Three cults. Two I'm already acquainted with, and a third, followers of this Black Pharaoh character. Could that have been the black-cloaked entity I saw in my dream? But right now, that's not what worries me. All three of these groups are bent on manifesting these beings into our world, according to Armitage. Let's not even talk about the fact these cults have all been around since at least the 20s, which was when Armitage wrote this little journal. It's likely to go back even farther. But never mind that. These gods, 
Pastor, Dagon, and the other one. They're just the tip of the iceberg. If my dream is any indication, and I believe it is, I really do, there's something bigger, something meaner that all these things answer to, and it aims to make a pretty big and mean entrance into our world. And I've got to believe that is not good news for any of us primitive primates, because this thing is one apex predator, and we are a smorgasbord, Victoria. You understand what I'm saying? I just realized this must be what Michael discovered, and what he was going on about in his letters, what he's trying to stop. I understand why he didn't want me involved, but if this is what's really going on, he's going to need all the help he can get. Hold on, Michael. I'm on my way.